0: Hello and welcome to AMP, the all things media podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Edgar.
1: I am your other co-host, Scott Louder. We have some good things to talk about today. As you've, as you've noticed, we have a new name. Uh, we'll slowly be updating the social medias and everything like that. That way we can talk about all the things we love. Music, movies, TV shows, whatever else it might be.
0: Yeah. Um, because we have access to these things on our PlayStation or iPad that allow us to just indulge in the ever-growing multitude of awesome content, both originally created for the internet and also your favorite movies and shows of yore. Woo! I love them all. That was a
1: mouthful. So, speaking of a mouthful, today we're going to play a game called Just the Tip. So, <laughs> we're going to give you a little bit of everything to kind of ease your way in before we completely go all the way in. Uh today we're going to talk about the new Bon Iver album. Uh we got a sneak preview of that this past week and it I'm not going to I there's there's so many words for me to say and I'm gonna, I'm going to try to say all of them whenever we get a chance. And we're also going to talk about Stranger Things, a, a mm. recent show on the Netflix and it seems to have been a huge hit and it is the talk of the towns. So we're gonna kind of talk about both of those things.
0: Yeah, we got some good content tonight. I'm very excited. Also, we have really I, good volume in our podcasting layer. We have good power tonight. I'm very excited. yeah.
1: We have a lot of power tonight. So clear, so much power. I feel like we're we're
0: next level right I now. God, the power. So let's dive right in. The new Boney Ver album. It's called a assortment of random wingding characters <laughs> I don't. I can't pronounce. it. <laughs> I was gonna say it. it it's the only
1: thing it's lacking is emojis at this <gasps> point. That's a good point. It is. I wish there were some emojis, just like a poop emoji is like track eight. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's called 22 a million, 22, a million. And the, the track listing is pretty freaking crazy. We, um, we heard the whole thing. We've listened through to it all. We have not listened to the studio version yet, so don't get too excited. We are not that privileged.
0: Oh, you haven't listened to them?
1: The studio? No, I haven't listened to the full album studio versions, but we've we've heard the two studio tracks that were released. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet hear this.
1: No, no. I, I wish I have heard had heard the old album. we got to wait until next month for that. It's coming out September 23rd, so I
0: think 22nd the, maybe. Aside from the concert, I think the two songs they released give a pretty good idea of what you can expect, though, from the album.
1: I thought so too, but having listened back to the the concert again, I found a really good high quality download, Mm -hmm. like straight off the soundboard. And it's a good mix of just about everything he's done so far. So it seems like Side A is more geared towards like where he's going as far as like the sample based stuff, the really auto-tuned vocal, Mm kind of like reminiscent of that Heavenly Father song that was released. Clearly, yeah. And Side... Side B is very reminiscent of the old, like Bonnie bon Vare album. And also, even further back, I mean, there's a there's kind of a guitar heavy track that has that cool little guitar riff in it mm-hmm. that's that's kind of reminiscent of for Emma forever ago, like mm-hmm. the first album. So, I feel like with this album, it's kind of got something for everybody. If you've been a Bonnie Vare fan at all in the past, there's going to be at least
0: one or two tracks that you like on it. I think that not. Very many artists have put out such divergent music as Justin Vernon. Like, of the. He's only put out three albums aesthetically, but each one of those albums sounds completely different Mm -hmm. from the previous one, and it sounds organically different. Not just like, oh, we're out of ideas, let's try something else. This sounds like a really awesome progression that's rare to get these days honestly
1: it totally is Uh, you don't find too many artists that reinvent themselves from album to album anymore they seem to stay pretty consistent most of the time or at least in the same ballpark
0: you know and it's almost like david bowie level in some ways
1: it really is he uh, i wouldn't go as far as to say he is (laughs) our david bowie of this generation but i I mean i would definitely go as far to say as he's one of the best songwriters of our generation because of I mean, I was just saying before we were kind of listening through things again, before we uh, we hopped on here to talk to you guys, he's one of the best melody writers, I think, that I've heard in a long time.
0: Yeah, you know, even though, especially with this new stuff, a lot of it is very sample and synth-based, you can tell that everything started out as probably on an acoustic.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so.
0: Another thing that's hard to come by these days.
1: It is, and I, I feel like, too, with this album, he's going to really kind of like break boundaries between... You know, the really weird, like, sample-based stuff. And then, like, the indie world at the same time.
0: You know, I've always felt that he really ran with the design ideas from my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy in some ways. Like, you know, I think his involvement in that album must have had an effect on him in some way. And and I think that with the new stuff he has coming out, just in the way of... of Really blending the electronic and in and the and the, uh, the ethereal, and it's just been cool. Like I'm glad somebody took that idea and, and kept it going. It's to like Kanye West, which didn't really keep going with the uh, the orchestration, maybe of yeah. that album.
1: I, I mean, I feel like the songs are more well thought out and more well done than most of those. Yes, but I would agree. Upon first listen, if I was to describe this connecting two artists together it is the sample basedness of Kanye West meets the 90s awesomeness of Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. Those are the two things that kind of he is connected together in this album, which is crazy to even say really when I think about it. <laughs> I mean, who would connect Kanye West to Bruce Hornsby? Nobody ever in, in in history.
0: Well, they both play piano.
1: Does Kanye West play piano?
0: Yeah, as far as I can tell, Kanye's a very uh well-versed piano player well, that's cool
1: okay so that they're connected via the piano I but think
0: it explains its sampling abilities
1: i mean some of the tracks on here i mean i'm just going to give quick highlights my my two favorite right now is number eight called eight parentheses circle close parentheses and number 10 which is called zero 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 million uh those those are my two favorite
0: tracks so far, and then I
1: also love number six called Six Six Six.
0: I like Six 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 and I like the one that was one of the studio songs that was like Lady Samples and it's called like Over Soon. What's the other one?
1: Uh Death Breast. Death Breast. I like that one a lot. Ten Death breast. Ten Death breast. Ten Death Breast.
0: Um, it's cool.
1: Yeah, they're I really like the entire there's not a song i don't like on it that i listen to which is pretty much how boni Vare does me
0: uh, I, I think what's also what i also really like about what i've heard is that you know it's not easy for me to describe what it sounds like like at this point usually with music you say oh it's a little bit of the beatles it's a little bit like the craft work and something else but you know with what i we've heard from this album i guess we have heard the album in terms of a live version. It, You know, it contains a lot of different elements, but I don't know if you could quite pinpoint where each one of those elements came from, except maybe some Bruce Hornsby or maybe some Mm -hmm. some some elements from the Kanye West stuff. But in general, and that's you know, that's you know, you're doing music right when what you're doing is just taking the things that influenced you and really finding a way to do something original.
1: Which is what he's definitely done with this. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can say that about his last two albums too.
1: Yeah, I mean, his his self title album. Name me anybody that's put an album
0: out like that in the history of music. I don't even know how. Well, once again, like if you think about that album, it's like I don't really know how to describe it. It's like there's there's double drums. It's panned really weird. It's, it's a really well-mixed album. It's kind of folky, but it's not really folky. It's electronic, but it's not really electronic. It's, it's kind of
1: or it's kind of orchestral,
0: but not really orchestral at the same time. That well, that's the other thing that you made a good point, which is especially when you watch some of the uh, older Bonavera concerts. Like my favorite one is still the Bonnaroo one. I think I showed you. Yeah,
1: that one's great.
0: No one is doing what he was doing with those musicians that concert, which is essentially just taking symphonic concepts to pop music. Pretty much, and it's cool. Yeah, like, no, like it's that's. That's Prague. I mean, not not even like the Mars Volta, one of my favorite bands, was quite that orchestral, not that that dynamic in terms of what they were doing. Because The Bonnaroo concert, specifically, that's the most dynamic thing I've ever seen musically. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to put together. I mean, there had
1: to have been probably between 10 and 15 guys on that stage. And they're all just playing a thousand different instruments. Yeah, they're all multi-instrumental. It was crazy.
0: And even though, as far as we could tell with the new concert, it seemed to be predominantly him just triggering the album and manipulating things live you it know, I, like i know he's gonna roll out he's a huge band oh
1: guarantee he's gonna he's gonna recreate it live with a full band somehow yeah i think it's probably not really fleshed out live yet because i mean they he literally announced you know a couple of months before hey we're gonna be re- performing the the whole album in full uh, either that or he'll have a combination of the two things. He'll do some of it just himself. But I mean, I, I know that he had a, a sax section, which he dubbed the sax of shit. <laughs> so he, he definitely had them. And S. Carey, his drummer, he was also there too. I, I know there were definitely live drums, but didn't hear a whole lot of bass. Uh, I think most of the guitar playing was probably done by him too on a couple of those tracks. Uh-huh. And just very vocal. I mean, there are lots of vocals. I always
0: wonder how... Like, what is the systems being used to make that happen? Like, I'm going to sit here with a keyboard and other things and somehow make an album happen. I'm not sure. Still. Unreal.
1: I. How does he sit down and create songs like that is what I want to know. Because to to just begin with a simple sample, like some of these songs just have like a sample, and to create what he creates and make it sound so good and also sound, you know poppy at the
0: same time to make it like anyone can put a bunch of loops together make a song but in terms of creating dynamics that are based around electronics and loops is not easy no i it's something i, I have to fight with all the time trying to find ways to make things more dynamic when you work electronics and it's cool it's really cool i'm really excited i wonder who produced it i guess he produced it probably yeah i think he produced the last one and all that did he I think so i would
1: imagine so i've never heard of anybody else working with him
0: hmm. as
1: far as producers I, I know he always has like some guests and stuff on on some song no he doesn't even really do guests either
0: no he's not a, a feature guy i i just i'm sure there was some co-producers but who knows possibly
1: i imagine he and all the millions of instrumentalists he knows just kind of all hop in a room and they're like all right let's do this <laughs> and they freaking just kill it. I just, I don't understand. I'm looking at personnel right now.
0: I also really like the album cover a lot. Yeah, the album cover is cool. It's really pretty. It's very, like, I can tell there's a lot of imagery that goes along with this album, especially if you watch the lyric videos for the two songs, but a lot of the imagery is cryptic. It's just like weird yeah, animals and and other things. I'm
1: I'm waiting for someone to figure it all out. I feel like, the entire album is all connected together in some way and it means something. I get that impression too. But no one's figured it out. There's no way he just pulled these names out of the thin air and just were like, okay, here we go. There's a weird song called Creek with two weird, uh, you know, Latin symbols and you know, whatever crazy yeah. stuff he puts on there.
0: I didn't, I, never, I didn't think about it, but I, I agree. I think that there's definitely like a, it's a, it's a puzzle. That's yeah. cool. That's another thing you don't get a lot these days. <laughs> Some, someone's got to crack it.
1: Someone's got to crack it. So on his self-titled album, he was the producer, the synthesizer, mix engineer. He played banjo, bass, choir, chorus, composer, cymbals, drums, ebo, finger cymbals, guitar, baritone, guitar, electric guitar, nylon string, guitar, hands, m one, piano, tremolo, and vocals.
0: M one's a cool <sighs> piano.
1: It is a cool piano. And then he just had a recording engineer, Nate Vernon, who was probably related to him. And then they had one other mix engineer and a different told, guy mastered it.
0: I was told that album was done like almost entirely with just a 5.8 or 5.7. Really? Whatever the, the recording. 5.7 is up? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's i
1: always
0: huh. heard. Which makes me like...
1: Like the how... whole... There's that. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. How do you... I can't explain that. No. I can't explain it. So, Yeah. I mean the new Bon Iver album. I think it drops. Um, I want to say September twenty second. I might be wrong, but regardless, it's in it's it's like mid September. That would make sense because the album is called Twenty Two A Million. Uh, so I mean September twenty second would
0: would most likely be the date. You're on it this week, Scott. I'm just like i even... Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Elementary my dear Watson. I'm just I'm just grasping at strongs, but
1: and, and nah, think... September thirty.
0: Oh well. Anyways. I, I think that um you know, there's been some releases I've enjoyed this year, but I, I definitely would say that this would be the largest music release of this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I it's the most anticipated for me. I mean, considering it's like five years in the making. Yeah, it's been a long time. It it really has, and it's been way it, it's been way too long for me. I mean, he he's definitely up there in my top five favorite artists of, like, this last decade.
0: When I think about the last album, I would always listen to it on my way back from, like, getting my ass kicked in jiu-jitsu. I was, I was like, I spent, like, the past hours, like, getting choked unconscious. And then it's like, <laughs> okay, hey, Justin, let's turn this on. I can calm down. Help me relax.
1: I actually, I had... This album is the one I usually fall to fall asleep to. Yeah, if I need help falling asleep, totally pop in the earbuds, turn on track one,
0: let it roll. It's such it it, it especially if you get a chance to listen to that one with some nice speakers or a nice set of headphones. You realize mm-hmm. this is like one of the best mix, mixed albums. Yeah, There's so many tricky little things going on, and listen to it on vinyl if you have not. Ooh, I haven't done that yet. I have it. Oh
1: yeah, let's do it. It's. It, it, it's worth the price of admission. Plus sure. It. I
0: bet you hear a lot of details. You hear some know. crazy <laughs>
1: stuff that you definitely don't hear whenever you listen to like the iTunes version of oh, it. Oh, dude. It's, it's pretty great. I'm excited. Love that album very much, and I'm sure I will love the next one just as much. Agree. Right? I mean, I, I already do. I've listened through it once. So another cool little fun fact about the, uh, the Alclair show, which is where he debuted this album. He brought Bruce Hornsby out to play on it. Uh, to play the – actually, the last song that they played, not on – there wasn't an album track. He did four tracks that were older songs that were not on this album, obviously. And uh, the last one he played was Beth Rest, which is what he closed with on most of his tours and stuff, too.
0: Which is the closing song on the previous album. On the
1: previous one. album. And Bruce Warnsby played it, and it's a whole different, like, redone version. Mm-hmm. It's – I would – I wanna say it's Horns Beat Up, but it's not Horns Beat Up very much.
0: I think it was a little quicker than the album.
1: It was a little faster than the album version. It completely changed the melody. I mean, it's like a whole new version. It doesn't sound anything like the album version. If it weren't for the lyrics, you would not be able to identify <laughs> it. So it's pretty cool. Look it up on uh look it up on YouTube. It's it's up there. Just I, I think all I googled was like Bear, bon Bruce Hornsby, and it was like the first thing that popped up. And it's a really good quality version of it too.
0: The the studio version of that song is another, like, damn, that's a good mix song. Uh, Damn that mix, though. Damn that mix. Damn that
1: (laughs) song, period.
0: That's, ugh, that song's so good. I think you mentioned this before the podcast, but one thing that struck me about the studio versions of the new songs is they are not as layered as I expected them to be. No. They're actually more minimal.
1: They seem to be. They They don't have all the instrumentation that the previous album had. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a a lot less instrumentation, which can be a good thing sometimes.
0: My, my guess is that it leaves a lot of doors open for doing stuff live. I think so. I think that's part of it. And I think, too, that
1: it's kind of, he's pushing the focus more towards the lyrics and the vocals. Yes. And less so towards the instrumentation. I would
0: agree, yeah.
1: Which is kind of cool. I mean, his lyrics are great. Very cryptic. You really don't understand what he's saying. But you love what he's saying because it's presented so well. <laughs> That's what's crazy about the whole thing. And Like I said, he's one of the best melody writers that I think I've, I've heard in a long time. Because he actually writes melodies. Because he writes great melodies. And memorable melodies. It's just like he, he toes the line of pop without actually writing pop music. Because, I mean, none of his songs are really poppy when it comes down to it they
0: skinny loves pretty poppy
1: yeah but it doesn't fit the pop formula at all it doesn't they're not like verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus chorus This song's set
0: up like an old blues song
1: yeah it kind of is it kind of is i love that guitar he always brings out to play with that for that song too it's which, like this old beaten up like tin guitar thing i like which is what i think he used to record it with too oh is it like a dobro I don't think it's a Dobro, but I think it might be just like a baritone, like just old, nasty, tin-looking guitar. I've never seen. Is it an electric or an acoustic? It's it's an acoustic, but I think it has a pickup in it, so hmm. it's like an acoustic-electric type thing. But it, it's it's weird sounding.
0: I just realized I've never seen an acoustic baritone guitar. They have to make them.
1: Yeah, I guarantee they do. Maybe he. Just, I think he just tunes the guitar really weird. Yeah. On it. Hmm but I know what I'm Googling next. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Anyways, new Bon Vera album, September 30th, it drops and it's going to be fantastic. We promise. We absolutely promise. I,
0: I, yes. Very Uh, excited. (laughs) As am I, as am I. So now we move in to our TV show section. So before we start, I got to be honest, like, you know, I spend a lot more time watching Movies and television shows sometimes than I do listening to music. It goes back and forth. But as I mentioned before, like, you know, I think one reason why I'm able to be part of this podcast is because if you play me a song, I can usually, just through what I've done in life, I can gather enough information to tell you, like, does it have, like, the punch factor to it? But, you know, and and Scott's the same way in terms of, like, we both like a lot of film and TV, and so I think after doing uh, seventeen podcasts worth of music, it was time to introduce a new element, an, an even broader element because now we're talking about you know everything.
1: And I mean, when it comes down to it, most music lovers also love film and TV because they kind of go together, in a lot of ways. I mean, they're they're intertwined. Music yeah. music makes a lot of scenes in TV and music and movies. Amen. And I mean, I don't think I've ever met. Anybody that's a music lover that doesn't also like some form of TV show movie. I mean, you'd be a weird person otherwise.
0: My my other thing is that, and this is just through my involvement in making uh, web series and short films and whatnot, is that I, I feel that filmmaking is the highest form of art. And the reason for that is because it involves every form of art. It involves writing. It involves cinematography. It involves color design It involves sound It involves planning editing involves it involves a a business-like mindset and involves organization teamwork involves everything and i I think you know i've definitely just drawn a lot of inspiration from film definitely horror in my case but yeah not so much in my case and that's why it works out best because jason is your horror guy it yeah you are (laughs) and i i like i love the dramas and comedies the most i like dramas too
1: Um, but what is kind of cool is we kind of meet in the middle on this one because Stranger Things is kind of sci-fi, kind of horror, kind of drama, not a whole lot of comedy, but it, it kind of like bridges the gap between three different
0: movie genres or TV show genres. And, you know, just like with music, like me and Scott, like a lot of different things, but there's still certain things that you would not expect us to like that, that both of us like, Yeah. And I think that the same could be said of film as yeah, well, in a lot of cases. That's why we get along,
1: so stranger things now, i I believe I'm not sure. Jason and I made it a point not to talk about it because at first, he really disliked it. The first like three episodes, four he episodes. was four episodes he was about to just stop watching altogether, which I thought was absolutely crazy. And I told him that. And I'm like, dude, you got to keep watching it. Keep watching it, keep watching it. So,
0: we we, we got to say, before we say anything else, spoilers. Yeah. Because we are going to talk about the entire show. Yeah. And I don't hold back. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be screaming spoilers every time. You're not going to be no. screaming spoilers. Like I say it once, if you haven't watched all the way through, you probably shouldn't listen to the podcast, go finish it, then listen. Absolutely. Because me holding back.
1: Yeah, because from, from this point right now on... All the spoilers. There are spoilers. So if you need to stop this right now... Stop it and go watch the series before we, before you continue, because we're gonna continue
0: regardless. We should get the alarm sound from Kill Bill whenever Uma Thurman sees her like opponent is like the. Yeah. <laughs> ba, 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 yep. Here it
1: comes. It's co- we're coming in. We're coming in hot right now.
0: So here, here's the opening statement. I think about Stranger Things. Go for it. I didn't think it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I do think that the amount of adoration for it is unwarranted. Mm. I don't think it's that good. Mm. Mainly because of some really weird choices in terms of story.
1: Okay. What choices do you believe did not make the series any better than it could have been? I'll start with
0: pacing. Okay. So... There's eight episodes total. Apparently, there's going to be a season two. It definitely sets itself up for that.
1: There definitely is.
0: Um, I don't understand why for the first four episodes, the amount of character development in just dangling of carrots is so minimal. And why for some reason, episode five, when it gears into, I guess, the latter half of the story, it does pick up and it gets a lot more interesting. But a lot of things happen from five to eight That try to develop the characters, but because they're running out of time, they aren't able to flesh them out as well as they could have had they just started from the freaking pilot with these developments. They would have made a lot more sense, and I felt that they would have had a lot more of an impact. Instead of just for some reason, like there's four episodes, and you know most of it just centers around flashbacks that don't really even explain too much as to the character of Eleven. But I think that's the point of it. Well, see, I, that's that's that was my counterpoint to myself was, am I looking at this through the lens of the modern storytelling method, especially when it comes to film, where out the gate, it's just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. The, the lost way of, of telling a story. I really like lost. We can talk about so lost on the podcast. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I love that series so much. Maybe, in fact, what the show was trying to do is it was trying to take a a more old school approach to developing a story which if you go watch any movie from the 60s or the 70s i would argue though in the 80s it started to become more of what we're used to now but in in the older kind of storytelling mindset things were developed more slowly there was a lot more room for exposition but once again in the case of those first four episodes there's not that much exposition it's just like a lot of it's like a slow crawl from the story standpoint
1: i think they did it that way because people are so used to just getting everything right away. True. And they weren't trying to unveil the whole story. They they were playing the long game, all right? They weren't playing the short game. So, like, in episode one, you know, right right away, like, Will gets taken. Yeah. You know, he gets taken. You don't know from who. You don't know what what the, you know, issue is. Mm-hmm. You just know that, boom, he's gone. And then you it cuts to kind of, like... Eleven shows up at that yeah. that restaurant,
0: yeah.
1: You know, and you don't know what the hell's going on with her. And the, I think the big thing is with with this series, and why I liked it so much too, is they're basically they're making you watch each episode and continually binge it because you got to find out like who the hell's this person, what are they doing, why. You know, it's more based around that rather than the character development part at the beginning. Because they got to get you hooked on something before they actually get you to continue to watch it. Now, everybody that watched season one, with the exception of maybe you, will probably watch season two
0: because of how well that was done. I'll Well, I'll watch season two, sure. But that's that's my other problem with it is that if that was their intention of doing the slow crawl through those first four episodes, they they still didn't even offer up enough like uh just bits and pieces to hook people to me like the main reason i kept watching is because i had a little bit of faith in it but also because i wanted to talk about it yeah but like and another good example and this is my personal opinion is i in there's two characters in the show this applies to the first one not so much as the latter Gentle giant burger flip guy that gets shot in the head in, like, the first episode. Yeah. What a total waste of a potential character there. You think?
1: Yeah. Like... I think I I like the fact that he got shot because you think he's going to be a potential character. And then, boom. See, that that made you mad because you thought he'd be a good character. But I feel like the sheriff is kind of the one that took his place Mm -hmm. right after that happened. And I feel like the sheriff... um, the crap was his name. I can't think of his name off, off the top of my head. I'm he's right uh,
0: he's one of my favorite characters in the show. Oh, he's great.
1: He's absolutely great. But I feel like he takes the place of him and he's he's the one that kind of like carries that role. Like the the um, the fatherly role that the burger flipping guy had. Because so the burger flipping guy took Eleven in and yeah. like fetter and all that other stuff. And they had to have a way to present you with those lab the people from the laboratory or the people that are doing the testing like the crazy government workers that are trying to keep this whole thing under control now here's the one thing i didn't really like is they didn't really show how she escaped
0: no, they never. And they never really touch upon it. No, like in any shape or form. I always assume that she somehow broke out and went through like the tear and space and time, and somehow like came back out. in. That was my guess. So you think she went in to, like the upside down and then came back? That's that's the best I can come up with.
1: I mean, it's possible. I. Now that you say that I that I, I think about it a little bit. I, I had always thought that she had 11 had some form of connection with that monster. Whether it be she created it, she was part of it, she was the only one able to control it, something. I mean, at the end she was the only, I mean she just freaking blew the
0: thing up. Yeah.
1: And I, I feel like and that killed her at the same time too, which is weird.
0: Or did it? Or did it <laughs> because of the last scene with the egos and the Dropbox?
1: Right, right. I don't understand why, why police chief guy, you know, dropped off the egos at the end. I
0: we're we're jumping ahead though.
1: We're jumping yeah. ahead.
0: Well, so my thing is that you should. I come from the school of loss when it comes to storytelling. I cannot lie, and I think that if you're gonna kill a character off, and this isn't in any form of literature, you have to like really validate why that person deserves to die or you shouldn't do it.
1: Well, the person needed to die in order to advance the story. How else do you introduce the lab people? Do they just show up? I mean, here's here's what they needed to establish with that. Uh They needed to establish that the people from the lab, the government, whoever you want to call them, one, meant business. Yes. Two, they weren't going to fuck around Mm -hmm. no matter what. You know, they their prerogative or the whatever they were working towards at that point in episode one, they needed to establish that these people are not to be fucked with. Period. Yeah. You know, how else do you do that? Well, you kill some guy that just like trying to help someone out. So you know, these people are these people are fucked up. Like they're gonna pretty much go to any length to get this girl back.
0: Yeah. So in in that case, his character was obviously meant to be he's trope victim number one. And I understand basically like if you're going to tell the story in this way, which there's still better ways to do it. But if you're going to do it this way, you have to have a gentle giant burger flip guy get shot. But there's a second part to this issue. And it's the one that can't be ignored. It's the character of Barb. (laughs) Poor baby had no purpose in the show except to be kind of awkward, out of place friend to like a popular hot girl but the second bay disappears; it's over because, of course, she, you find out the end she's dead and like dead AF. Yeah, and it's just well, like you didn't find that out until the last episode.
1: But I mean, you had a pretty good feeling that she was dead. But how else? How else do you bring the sister in?
0: I, I just think that otherwise, it, the sister doesn't give a shit. So, in the case of those two characters, it's obviously trying to play off of. I would not really consider it a stereotype because I've seen a lot of times where you have hot popular girl and then you have awkward, not as attractive. Though that's that's relative depending on who's who's looking at the person. You see that a lot in 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 real life, IRL, whatever. Yeah. But why, like, why just offer so quickly? Once again, with those four episodes, they could have taken time to just delve a little more into the relationship between Nancy.
1: Yeah, it's Nancy. Yeah. Nancy, Nancy and Steve. Barb. Nancy and Barb. Nancy and Barb. Like, well, I think they did. Not enough. I feel like they did. If they want... I mean, they established that they were really good friends. It, the fact that Nancy asked Barb to go to the party with her as, like, the one person to watch out for her,
0: you yeah, know? but I would have really liked to see... Okay, if you're going to play the flashback game, which they like to do a little bit, yeah. but they don't... <laughs> This is another thing I think that came from lost a lot. The element of flashbacks in modern. So many people have done that. (laughs) They have. They haven't usually done it to as good of an effect as lost, but I'm just saying like, if you're going to play the flashback game, I really would have enjoyed a scene that would have introduced how Nancy and Barb became friends. Why are they such good friends? Why, how, what does Bob Barb offer Nancy and vice versa To really establish their friendship because does that matter? Yes, I think it does. Why does it why does it matter because if you're trying to Extract an emotional connection to the characters in your show you have to like give it some context like you can assume that they became friends because one was not intimidated by the other and the other was enjoyed being around Nancy wasn't intimidated by Barb. Barb enjoyed being around Nancy because Barb Barb is a very like, very like kind of like inner shell kind of person, which I'm a lot like her. I'm not gonna lie. But so is that why you're pissed about Barb? Well, the fact well that's one of the reasons. But it's just like the fact that they just it's just it's done. Like it, it she was just she was just a told trope because there wasn't any any like desire to develop the character further. She was there, like. Did she even really have she, to be in the show? She was a pawn. She, she was, was a pawn, pawn, pawn.
1: When it came down to it.
0: But she didn't have
1: to be a pawn.
0: She did. No, she could have been a pawn. I'm going
1: to be honest. I didn't give a shit about Barb. Exactly. But I that's, didn't give a shit about her.
0: But that's because the show didn't take any time to like n- give you some but, like, need to care about her in some see, way.
1: No, it didn't, it didn't need to. It didn't need to. Because you know what? Barb literally was just one of those people where it's like, you need her. You need her there. So that somehow Nancy gets incorporated into the monster, like yeah. the, the big picture when yeah. it comes down to it. Otherwise, Nancy doesn't care. Nancy has no dog in the fight if one of her friends doesn't get killed by this thing, right? So they don't need to develop that character any further. They needed to say, okay, how are we going to get Nancy involved? Because end game, Nancy needs to somehow help her brother out. And, and get involved with this whole storyline. Otherwise, she's just some random girl off to the side that has nothing to do with the rest of the shit. And you have some shitty-ass drama between her and Steve, how he wants to sleep with her and doesn't care about anything else. So, I feel like Barb... We'll, we'll get to Steve. Yeah, Barb, <laughs> Barb was that necessary character to bridge the gap.
0: But that's not good. That's not good storytelling.
1: It is when you have a very short amount of time to tell the story because if you do it where oh there's an episode that really focuses on nancy and barb and lost if you even want to compare this to lost lost you're looking at like what 20 episodes a season this is eight episodes well and
0: that's the thing and they didn't think they
1: were going to have a season two they're like let's flesh out this whole story we'll leave a little bit of cliffhanger at the end
0: we don't know what's going to happen you're right to say that it's not fair to compare no loss of the show. but I'll tell you a show that it is fair to compare it to. That's the first season of True Detective, which didn't waste an iota of screen time in terms of telling its story. I don't think. And that's the no. thing is like it didn't have to be that rush. like i I just think that the those four episodes, which I kind of just had to slog through, for the perfect time, it doesn't have to be the most developed friendship at all. All it has to be is just, like, it has to have context. You have to give the characters some context. Because if I recall, they don't even really ever... You wouldn't even have to have a flashback. You could just have some sort of, like, conversation between Barb and Nancy, which establishes why they are friends, how they may have become friends. I not even flesh that out, but just give it some sort of, like, give it some grit. It's just, it's implied. I mean, it's a high school. It's high
1: school. You think back to high school. You just had friends in high school. There are ones you trusted more than others. The fact, I, th- I believe, the fact that she specifically asked Barb to go with her to Steve's house to go swimming establishes that friendship and establishes that Nancy obviously trusts Barb enough that Barb is the more grounded type of person that will try to keep her from, from doing something stupid, even before they went in there. Yeah, they had that short little argument like... Barb's like, Nancy, you sure you want to do this? You know, you sure you want to do this type of thing? Like, she, she's the one that looks out for all of her friends. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like that's as much as that character needed to be develop, developed because it's going to, she's going to get killed off pretty quickly. And obviously, Nancy was close enough with her to bring her there. Mm-hmm. Period. End of that story.
0: Well, that's the other irony of the show is that, honestly, the younger characters are honestly more fleshed out than the adults. Like the kids?
1: Yeah. They the kind of the are. Teenagers. But I feel like they were more of the focal point. When it come down, when it came down to it, when yes. you have so many characters in a show, I mean, you're looking at you've got Hopper, who is the the sheriff guy. I remember his name, Hopper. <laughs> you had Hopper. You had Mike's mom, Mike's brother. You had uh, Mike Lucas. Uh, who is the other friggin' kid? Uh, Dustin. Oh, uh, we'll get to the other kids uh okay. you have you have eleven, you have you know just the other like random all the lab people I mean, there are so many characters it's hard to really dive into one or the other without helping this like the whole thing is focused more around here's this story. And And it's not like, let's develop these characters like True Detective. True Detective had eight episodes with two
0: main characters. Well, and that's a good segue because the biggest complaint about the second season of True Detective, which is kind of... I think about the second season of True Detective also in comparison to this because where I think Stranger Things gets way too much praise, I think that the second season of True Detective got way too much hate. But the, the biggest dilemma that people felt with saying he's detective out of your watching. it there's a lot of
1: characters i watched half of it but okay. yeah that that's the problem with it is there are so many characters and still only eight episodes so you have eight episodes you're talking maybe 40 minutes to an hour per episode you got eight hours so you're talking stephen king's the stand right there okay <laughs> St- this is this is loosely based around a stephen king story as well which one uh, I can't remember which one exactly that it was, but it, I did read that it was loosely based around some sort of uh, some sort of Stephen King story, like one of his short stories or ha- something like that. It has some elements of Firestarter
0: in it for sure. Yeah. Um.
1: So, acts as an addictive homage to Spielberg films, vintage eighties. Yeah, I can't see exactly, but I, I know I think Stephen King had something to do with this too.
0: I guess there would be components of it. Full disclosure, I haven't read it. So. I haven't either. But I, w- I would say though that. Well, the other thing is that the reason why the first four episodes didn't get a chance to develop anyone is because for some reason they took those four episodes to just draw out like Eleven's character, yeah. which I I just don't think that her even though she's the center point of the story, I don't think that her character required four episodes of like mundane flashbacks and stuff. Like we get the point, girl... It is a lab animal. Is a it's a living in a lab, being used as a weapon by shady organizations. Like you could establish that in like one episode and just move on. I mean, you could, but I, that doesn't that doesn't make you want to keep watching.
1: I mean, when it comes down to it, like they're trying to get people to continue watching. That's why they just give you little pieces of her at a time. And it has to be kind of based around where she is in specific situations too, like they only did the flashbacks based upon certain situations she was in in the story that was current.
0: Yeah, which was you know like, right.
1: So like, they're they're flashing back to to past time, but it connected to something that was happened in the present
0: time. But they use so much screen time, like, and, and then the other thing I was talking about are the the kids, like Dustin. Uh, who's the, the who's the main kid? Mike. 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 Or Mike. Mike gets kidnapped. Who's like... Who's Nancy's... Mike? No, Will gets kidnapped. Will gets kidnapped. Dustin and the other kid... Like...
1: Well, Mike Mike is... Uh, Mike is Nancy's brother.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so, it's Dustin, but who's the other one? Lucas. Dustin and Lucas. Those two guys. Yeah. They don't... Like... That's the... That's the one that really gets me. Because you don't get anything from them. Like, Dustin's just there to say some smarmy shit... Yeah. And then, was that the name? I'm terrible names. Lucas. Lucas. Lucas is just there, like, kind of be, like, the, the, the straight guy in the whole situation. Like, the level-headed one. Trying to keep in the team together. Yeah, but I just felt like, like, I wanted to know more explicitly about Dustin. Because, like, you know, he's an awkward kid. He Dustin was kind of like me when I was growing up. I'm not going to lie. But I wanted to know more about, like, him. I want to know more about, like, his family life. Because I'm sure he's well, really might. shitty. You might. This is only season one. But why? You shouldn't have to. That should be established in the first season. No. <laughs> it doesn't have
1: to be. They're playing the long game, man. Uh, but They're that's, playing the long game. I, t- that, I mean, they're kids, and you really have to look just down to the fact that they're kids, they don't have a whole lot of character developed in them yet, But that comes down
0: to it. And, and you're right, but that's where the dynamic of introducing the families... You, know, you, I'm, you don't have to, like, they don't have to be major characters in the plot. Just give me something to like. Give me a context. Like, why is Dustin like this? Like, you know, like because you know he's probably comes from a crappy home. That's like the impression I got from him.
1: Well, I mean, the fact that these kids basically roomed and did whatever the hell they wanted for yeah, you know, whenever. I mean, they
0: literally would just disappear for a while, and their parents just don't give a shit. And you kind of get that with Nancy and Mike's family, right? Like, mom's like, Dad's is totally out of the picture. My favorite scene is like at the very end of the show, like when uh, Will's in the hospital, like. Mike's, Mike, and Nancy's dad like passed out in the, in the yeah. hospital room. Like, we get it. He doesn't give a shit. And actually, in the case of their family, you do get a little bit of backstory from Nancy about how like her mom met her dad when he was older and she was younger. And they don't right. really care much for each other. So. And that's the thing. Well, that
1: family was the focal point. Yeah. Because that's where, honestly, that's where the conflict was. It's centered around them. But so that's why there was so much focus on them.
0: It, well, if you want to play the long game, Somewhere along the course of the show, you could have had Dustin just drop some lines that gave you like a little bit of a hint to his to his family. Didn't have to introduce them as characters because I understand that there's a there's a ton of characters in this show. Yeah, but I I why can't let this go? It's like I just feel like there's so many chances to just give these characters a little more depth that. No one seemed to give a damn about.
1: Well, now that they have a second season, they might be able to do that. Okay, man. It's I mean, season. you got you to gotta think about the fact that this show, they literally pitched it to like 20-some different networks, and none of them picked it up. Well, I kind of know why they didn't know. Maybe. None of them.
0: <laughs> why? <laughs> because they're, the character development is not there.
1: Apparently, it's working for all of America. <laughs> What's Apparently about? no one else gives a shit about your character <laughs> development because everybody else likes it. Everyone I have talked to I know. and everyone I have seen posts about it absolutely loves the show. But
0: I, I just feel like that's because they're being like bedazzled by the vibe of it. And that's the other thing about the show, which is from an aesthetic standpoint, I'm perfectly fine with it. Soundtrack on point. The cinematography of the show was balls of the wall it was a beautiful show yeah i got no argument there none at all it's just like i I just i i don't like the idea of like because you can make the nicest looking thing you want but at the heart of everything is a good story and but it was a good story not all of it was bad and i'll tell you what i did like about the story okay my favorite character drum roll nancy really yes she's the only one that changes over the course of the show. Well, she does. She's the only one that... But she's at the age to change, if you think about
1: it. I mean, she's in her teenage years. More changes happen when you're a teenager than anything else. You're more affected by your environment than anything else. When you're a kid... There's not much change that happens other than the fact that you grow up and you start to gain a little bit of like your initial personality, but you haven't really lived in the world yet to really be changed by
0: anything. Well, I, well in terms of the kids, like I'm not expecting like groundbreaking change in right. terms of them. Although in the case of Mikey, does kind of like have a bit of a romance, but even that's like thrown in there like really haphazardly. But, right. uh, although like Winona Ryder's son, not the one that got kidnapped. but the Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan doesn't change a damn bit. He is the same awkward kid. But he's the same age as Nancy. And so if if you're gonna go off the idea of the the teenagers changing, why is Nancy only like it's a change? No, 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 no. See, here's the thing though. Here's here's the
1: difference between the two of them. Shoot. She was a bitch to start with. Yes. Like an absolute bitch. He knew who he was at that point. She didn't. I mean he from from day one, episode one, he knew who he was. He's a weird dude. He likes taking photographs. He's A creative guy he just lost his brother Mm -hmm. i mean what else you need from there
0: okay i'll give you that one but i'll come back he didn't i'm
1: sorry he didn't lose his brother but his brother lost his friend and he's you know (laughs) or is that even his brother because well wait wait yeah yeah he did lose his brother his brother was will mike was not related to him i was i'm getting everybody confused now
0: but regardless, I see where you're coming from in terms of the Nancy thing. Because the thing about Nancy that was interesting is that when you meet her at the beginning of the show, it's almost like she's at this point where she's ready to evolve into something like she has sex for the first time. She's hanging out with people. And what happens in her case is this sort of uh, bell curve where she she tries to hang out with the quote unquote cool kid. gets burned by them. Then reality comes in. She becomes like a badass, yeah. In and then by the end, she kind of bends back up with uh, what's his name, well, Steve. Steve, which I'll let that one slide. Although I saw it coming from a mile away. But that's the thing about that's the thing I liked about Nancy is that there was actually like a, there was an arc to her character, like. <laughs> my favorite parts of the show are definitely the parts where like it's her and jonathan just like strapping up getting ready to like kick some monster ass and like she's like fighting and like shooting guns and stuff like she's her own person like she becomes a badass
1: yeah she changed (laughs) she did change that's fine
0: some characters can change not all do they should progress in some way though and that's the other problem with like winona ryder's character like you don't think she changed at all the most she changed is whenever the ex-husband was involved and that's the part i like most about her character when ex ex-husband whose dick comes back in and then there's like some conflict and i honestly think like i think like maybe he should have been involved with her character once again as a more steady element to the show because the problem with her character is that she spends the whole time just screaming at herself and freaking out and like trying to find her son, which is fine because she's a mom and she's trying to do a thing. Yeah. But if you're just sitting in your room like yelling at yourself, like there's just nothing going on there. And that's why whenever her ex-husband comes back, it, there's, there's some feedback. Like she's, you know, she's distraught, which is expected. He's dick. You realize why it didn't work out. But at least there's like there's something there. There's some like there's something. And then he leaves and then she just kind of like. She goes back to do her own thing again. She didn't seem to change much even from that experience, though. Well, she probably
1: wouldn't change from that experience because she had had that experience before. And she got rid of that experience again. You know, he tried to weasel his way back in and she she booted him out. But I think the best part about her character is the fact that you're trying to figure out throughout the entire series or throughout the season who she is, if she's actually crazy, because you don't get a lot of that to start with. Like, you just see her kind of frantic from the from the get-go. Yeah. You're like, okay, is she actually like this, or is she a normal mom? But when it gets to the end, you realize she's a normal, like, she's a mom. She's a normal mom at the end. And it really is just the situation that created that. So you do see her change. You see her change back into, like... You know, you're run-of-the-mill, like, mom who takes care of her kids. Yeah. You know? So, you do see a change in her.
0: Which, that, both her element in uh, Mike and Nancy's parents, um, a a horror film I saw recently was um, Lights Out, which is pretty cool. But in that movie, they didn't ramp it up as much, but essentially it deals with uh, a very crazy mom. And you're not quite sure, like, is what's really going on. Is she actually crazy or... Which you you the the monster's real in that case, but I appreciate the fact that they at least attempted to is she or isn't she, and so like the, those those elements I did I did like of the show. Yeah. What did you think?
1: I love the show. I mean,
0: wholeheartedly, I, nothing got to you.
1: There's not a lot that got to me about it. I
0: give me something you didn't
1: like. I'll be the first one to say I typically don't like sci-fi horror stuff at all. The only reason I started watching this is because my wife turned it on and was watching it, and I was intrigued because I had heard about it from a few different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Honestly, I can say there's not a lot I didn't like about it. There's some characters I didn't like. Like the Steve character, I just – he's one of those dicks that you see in so many different movies and, you know, different, like, 80s shows. And, you know, he's, he's like your run-of-the-mill character. I feel like his character could have been done a little bit better. Um I, I I really don't like the actor that they put in that role either. I don't think he played it well. When it comes down to it, because here's here's one stupid ass thing. One when she kicked him out of the house, like whenever uh whenever Nancy and Jonathan were like setting up all the traps for the monster. Yeah. It was like episode 6 or 7, something like that.
0: It's 7
1: um when she kicked him out of the house and he like got back in the car i was totally expecting him to get killed and i was really psyched i'm like yes they're <laughs> finally gonna kill off this douche but he ends up coming back into the house and all that stuff happens and um you know i i know that he was kind of like a necessary evil to make the whole thing work yeah because you need you need to have that douchebag guy and i can say his character kind of changed too I mean, towards the end, he softens up. He, he, he stops like, being a douche. He's kind of like,
0: saved the day, which I appreciate. Yeah,
1: he kind of saved the day. God, so
0: if they would have killed him off, I would have lost my shit. Really? then you wouldn't have the... Even though it really bothered me that by the end, Nancy kind of ends up back where she started. Yeah. I'll let it slide because they'll probably... They'll, that's the carrot for the next season. But, but here's the thing, though. If she didn't end up where she
1: started because
0: Steve didn't end up where
1: he started either. Because he kind of like swore off his friends, like the ones that were the ultimate douchebags.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. So
1: they they both ended up in a different place, and they both kind of ended up in the same place when it came down to that, because she kind of swore off, you know, she kicked him to the curb, then he kicked his friends to the curb, and that's kind of the only reason I think they ended up getting back together, because she really did like him, but he was just a giant
0: douchebag around his friends. And, And I would agree that by the end of the show, I definitely didn't get the impression that nancy really felt anything for jonathan like she did during the show but by the end after it's all done honestly she was she was team steve
1: she did when they were in that conflict definitely you know because you act irrationally whenever you're dealing with something that's just like traumatic like that yeah you know so i yeah i mean she she changed he changed jonathan stayed about the same you know you you knew who he was from the onset
0: Mm. uh
1: now i can tell you my favorite character
0: this very character? of
1: this was hopper
0: the sheriff i i like me some hard-boiled detective dude I, or the sheriff in this
1: case there are a lot of things i liked about his character the fact that he was like kind of mysterious i i appreciated the flashbacks with him too to really see what brought him to the place where he was like a sheriff of a small town now what i'd like to know more about him is how he got to be such a badass I mean, no one is able to, like, fight and figure things out the way he does.
0: Because he came, he came from a larger city before that. Right. Yeah.
1: But at the same time, like, some of, like, his fighting and shit like that and just his detectiveness, if that's even a word. The fact that he was able to deduce a lot of the things that he did was impressive to me. Just even whether he came from a a larger city or anything like that, like you don't just learn that by being in a larger city. No. Yeah. He's, you know, there's, there's some sort of backstory to that.
0: You know? Yeah. And and yeah, I agree with that because if something's left on the table to, to to learn more about, but man, were they lazy in how they like really included the, uh, his, his daughter. Yeah. That was some lazy writing.
1: I don't think it was lazy. I think it was not integral to the story, and they needed to touch on it to really establish his emotional connection with
0: the the case. I think that to begin with, it it would have had a greater impact had you learned had, the, had essentially this is a, 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 a like a story trick where instead of spelling out like these are the emotions being felt by the character via flashback in the moment. I wish they would have found a way to establish the fact that why he's so invested in getting Will back is because of his daughter. And then so at the end when they're like resuscitating him and the flashbacks really go down, you know, if instead of having the flashbacks there, they've already happened that way. Like the, the viewer would have already like made the connection on their own. Like, Oh, he's really invested at this moment because of previous things. Yeah. Breaking bad's a really good example of that. They were going like, to doing that. And you're always going to get a, better impact if you have the viewer like make that spark that connection like oh this is why they're doing that instead of having to spell everything out yeah that's just like this is a writing thing that's,
1: i guess it's a writing yeah. thing but i feel like it the flashbacks were done fairly well because they connect worse. they connected in with the episode yeah you know, like, they didn't show anything about his daughter until one of the later episodes. Like, you had no idea what his backstory was, other than the fact that he just slept around a lot.
0: And, and granted, he, he, there is the one time he calls his ex-wife, and they kind of talk about it. Right. Um, For, like, a short time.
1: Yeah. You know? So, I don't I don't think it was just, like, glossed over. I feel like it was well-placed. It was well-placed well in the episode it was placed in. And the fact that it kind of left you a little confused too because for for the most of that episode i'm like i wonder if his daughter is l like i i thought about that for a brief amount of time
0: that would be so you do meet Eleven's mother you think you do i'm guessing that was her i
1: don't know they left it kind of open I mean, they found a girl that was kidnapped, and their mother was kind of, like, lethargic.
0: Well, so, that would be pretty cool if you learned that the guy in the mom character, if he was indeed the father. And I felt like they would have hinted at that, though, whenever they meet up. Now, granted, like, mom's, like, smashed out on, like...
1: There's no way Hopper was the father. Yeah. There's no way, because... But
0: I see where you're coming from. That'd be actually a pretty cool little... the, Star Wars The thing. possible
1: L's mom sister
0: would have known him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so... So it's probably not true.
1: But you got to think about this, too. Eleven was Eleven for a reason. There are obviously ten more that came before her. So that mom could have been a mom of another... Or she could have been the mom of some other little girl that was taken. Yeah. You know, it didn't
0: necessarily have to be Eleven. Um... And that yeah i'll take that that'd be cool i didn't put that together but sure and also, also like i don't know if this is intentional but like so, some of the references in the show like they're a little heavy-handed but they're still kind of cool and like so in the case of like what you assume is Eleven's mom i think that was a reference actually to a uh, minority report to philip k dick because essentially in that story have you ever seen the movie minority report yeah like
1: a long time ago tom cruise yeah great yeah. film
0: so in in that story the precogs the three like ladies in the and the, they like predict the future yeah every single one of them were a child of a mom who was on like crazy futuristic drugs I don't know if you're any Philip K dick but most of no. the stories are about drugs crazy crazy drugs yeah. Um uh scanner darkly is one my, my favorite but I, I appreciate I I think that was an intentional callback but I I, I like the idea that essentially Extreme crazy psychedelic drug use had produced like a psychic kid. That's a cool kind of thing. And also, they brought uh, the story of uh, Project MK Ultra, which is an actual thing that happened with the CIA, like feeding LSD to people in an attempt to like they use it as a a means to try and interrogate people. They use as a way, actually, I think in the more extreme cases, to spur uh, uh, telekinesis and and other abilities in people. Of course, it's all a failure. This kind of touched on. Oh damn! There's a movie with Matt Damon where he plays like a CIA guy, and there's a scene. It's got Angelina Jolie, but there's a part in it where like, they give a guy LSD. and He's like jumps out a window, <laughs> but it's based on a true story. So I, I I like the the reference to like those facts as well. That was cool. And then like the the obvious like aliens throwbacks at the at the end. Like oh yeah. him looking at the egg, and you know, they're a little heavy hand of you Yeah, know, I'll, I'll take them. Yeah. Also, they kept shouting out the thing through the show, like the. Uh, the science teacher like he's like his dates like over and they're watching the thing and i was like oh yeah and i wish i could have a date where i showed like some woman the thing and she was like about that (laughs) life the thing is one of my favorite horror movies we talked about that as well but i it's not that i dislike the show it's just that the amount of praise given to it i think is unwarranted because of just some very to me some very blatant story ryan that could have been better it doesn't have to be, it has to be, it has to be the fucking Godfather, but it's just like when it's that clear, I'm going to be nitpicky always, but yeah, I, I had like a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, man. It's like, come on. It's good. It's good. It's not the worst thing. And here's the thing. So I've just been like bitching about episodes one through four. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to five through eight. Five through eight. Episode five is where I was like, okay, I actually care about what's going on. Because things actually became, <laughs> things were on the line from that point. Like There's an actual, like, there was, there was a, a sense of momentum. Another thing lacking for the first four episodes, this is not a lot of momentum. This is just like things are just like, you know, it's like being phoned in. Whatever. Establishing. We're on. <laughs> now, if you want to look at things from the Japanese storytelling mindset, that's perfectly fine. Because, you know, anime it, it has five seasons of exposition because that's another way of telling stories. In America, we usually don't really harp to, or I guess I say in the English tradition of storytelling, we don't harp too much on like a ton of character establishment. But episode five through eight, things get better. I'm, I'm in, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it now. Also, I think episode five is when Nancy's character really starts to take off. But it's when we have like our conflict come in. Things become a race against time. Right. And, and from there, from five to eight, I didn't have as many problems with the show. Um yeah,
1: five five is when a lot of the conflict happened. That's when uh Lucas and Mike fight. Um that's when uh That was a
0: good scene. Yeah.
1: That's when L like saves him from those two like bully kids.
0: Uh that was an all right scene. Um But the scene the scene you're talking about like when they when when the squad breaks down. Yeah. That was great. That was good. Was that was cool good. With that. There was actually some like there was just something. Yeah, they gave me something. I that and cool when Nancy that.
1: went into the Upside Down too, the Upside
0: Down components were cool. Yeah, they were. Um, I think I feel like a lot of that was heavily influenced from Silent Hill. Actually, there's a lot Maybe. of like the imagery. Did you ever play in Silent Hill games? No. So do you know anything about them? A little bit. Basically, you got the town and it's crazy and it's full of monsters. But the whole thing about Silent Hill is that there's a point in all the games where this already really crazy world gets super duper crazy and the walls become like it. it it's kind of like the regular world is like a factory and then the crazy world is the factory like after it's like turned into ruin porn essentially yeah and and whenever they go into the upside down world um the town not so much the the blank space thing yeah which as actually that was a reference to some movie that i learned about on the internet. i don't know anything about the movie but like the whole like the black Void in her walking yeah. through it. Anyhow, in the last episode, whenever you got uh, a writer and what's his name going to town, Hopper going yeah. to the town, that was like what it really hit me. So that was cool too. I'm yeah. guessing because I like the imagery was just so on point too there. But yeah, so from five to eight, I was I was cool with that. But it didn't. But but because of what happened in episodes one through four, I just felt like I think was it a too little, too late thing for you. It managed to rectify itself by the end. Yeah. Enough for me to be cool with it. But it's... It's almost like you get to start episode five and it's like... And and be cool with it. That's not good. But
1: you'll miss all the rest of the story that led up to that. Like, why the hell are they trying to go into some random tree that puts you in a different dimension? Yeah. You know? I mean, there's all kinds of... There's a lot of story that you'd miss if you skip one
0: through four. I'm just not seeing enough dissenting opinion in this thing. That's why, like, I don't think all of these episodes will be Jason. Like, what really grinds my gears. But <laughs> in this case, I'm I'm not gonna let this go. <laughs> like, I'm just not. It's all right if people like it. I did not dislike it, but it's just it's just one of those things. I wanna I wanna know if. The pacing—if the pacing of one through four was intentional in the and it can be validated by the people involved—just at least like give me some like we intentionally told the story this way. I'll let it slide a little more. But if they like try to like if the whole thing is downplayed and like well we well what are you talking about blah, 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 then I'll be like mm, come on.
1: Well, think about it this way: it's set in the '80s. It's very '80s oriented. Quite. Think about '80s movies. Was there a lot of character development in the 80s movies?
0: Think about it. No, I but like I said earlier in the podcast, I do think that was the beginning of when you started to have the the more so the movies than the TV. What good TV shows were there in the 80s really?
1: I mean, there were some like wasn't Cheers in the 80s and stuff like that. But there wasn't like anything
0: drama. I'll, I'll no was
1: drama wasn't really huge in the eighties. Like I don't think Roots
0: is probably the greatest drama of the eighties. I can think. Of.
1: Yeah, probably. But I mean, you're talking about, you know, a completely different thing set on something in history. You know,
0: and, and well, I something something to validate your argument would be uh, Scarface. Actually, yeah, um, Scarface is, you know, it's a movie everyone should watch once, but it's definitely a movie that it's long and the pacing of it kind of drags at certain points, but it it's does. unintentionally, it's a bit of a, an epic in a lot of ways. And in, in that case, the story, the character development, what character development there is in that one. It,
1: Very little to none.
0: I it's, mean, it's a
1: slow pace. Pacino's character doesn't change throughout.
0: He's gets more and more high and crazy. He gets
1: like higher and crazier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's it. Cockroach. Yeah. But it's amazing that we got there.
0: Oh, dude, you know, <laughs> we, I, you don't even know but so and and i guess you you might be right in terms of it was a uh stylistic choice to do i, f- I feel way. like it was um i mean i feel like if if you're gonna
1: go all 80s you gotta go all ladies you know maybe maybe the they made a conscious decision like let's write write this like it was done in the 80s also
0: well what else can i say the monster was not as practical visual effects as you think it is. Really? <laughs> no. Um, now, that's not to say that it was all CG. Uh, there was definitely some stuff. I think, like, the part I can tell you that definitely was uh, practical was when Eleven, like, goes into the void and she, like, goes and touches the monster. Yeah. But a lot of the part, like, the anything facially involving the monster was, that was CG, probably. Mm-mm. Had to have been no.
1: They showed how that was done. There's a there was actually an article on uh, how the monster was created, and the dude like the dude said it was an entire like entire body, just about. He said he couldn't see a lot of the time. He had to take direction from the director, like yelling at him, like which way to move because he could not see out of the mask.
0: Then I wonder why whatsoever looked, why why it looked so computer generated.
1: I'm sure they added some elements to it, but he said the only thing that he was wearing. Uh, as far as like green screen wise, were like his arms were yeah. covered in green screen. It Just because there's no way you could have like those long, slender arms like that as a practical effect element and make them look realistic. Plus the way that the monster moved too and like the way the arms moved and stuff like that. But I think
0: Guillermo del Toro might make an argument with that. And, hey, and I, I must say this is jason being a nerd I, I tend to always side with the practical visual effects over the cg because nothing cg has ever scared me yeah nothing like you know the, the aliens and alien or even e.t e.t i hate that movie ET is terrifying <laughs> e.t's the scariest thing ever and if you ever look at the uh, pre-renderings <laughs> for the movie he was even more terrifying <laughs> i don't like e.t i like reese's candy but i don't like e.t at all <laughs> i was an e.t fan as a kid the universal ride's really cool though i remember riding that yeah that was yeah, cool that, was cool. that yeah. was cool i think i did that when i was like 15 something like that <laughs> yeah probably about the same
1: all right so let's talk about the ending i feel like that's a great great place to end is the ending uh so obviously in the end you know they find uh will and they bring him back and he they bring him back to life mm-hmm. they pull that nasty ass snake out of his mouth but then but then he gets home, and you think everything's back to normal. And I think they cut to what, like a couple of months later, or something like that. Yeah, it's
0: like a, it's a it's a month later cut. Yeah, it's, it's like a m-
1: month later. Goes to Christmas time, and everything seems all hunky dory. He's playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, his family sits down for dinner, and he excuses himself to go to the bathroom, and coughs up some <laughs> sort of like wormy looking thing. And it like does a quick cut to to the upside down. Yeah. Which there's all kinds of crazy theories swirling about that.
0: I looked at that. Like, I'm sure it's meant to be something deeper in the show, but I looked at it as him like experiencing PTSD actually from like the, like the slug falling out of his mouth. It's like, God, I'm back there. Like But uh, where does that thing come from? He's obviously been infected with something.
1: Yeah. He's definitely been infected with something, but I, I feel like one of two things are going to happen. Shoot. And you can mark my words on this. One I feel like the Upside Down may eventually somehow start to merge with the real world. Sure. That'd be fun. Uh, It's
0: like Ghostbusters. Yeah,
1: kind of (laughs) like Ghostbusters style. And I hope Ghostbusters get in there. Uh, Two, Will will become the new
0: monster. God, I hope it gets that dark.
1: I mean, I I feel like that's the direction it could go. I mean, if he's infected with that and that other monster is dead... You know, I, sure. I assume the other monster's dead. Um, then maybe he will become that. Like, he kind of bridges the gap between the two. Because if you if you look at it this way, Will is the only one that ever came back from the Upside Down after going through all he went through. True. Most other people were dead there. Like, the monster killed him, boom, dead, whatever, they're done. He actually survived, like, the the monster's crazy snakes or whatever else they put down in them like yeah. why was he saved why was he the
0: only one that the monster didn't completely kill sure i'm, I'm that i hope it's that dark i, that's I mean a, it's that, possible it's possible that's a very i'll, I'll take that sure yeah because it, that's what I, it well, well something people have been saying with this show is that they thought that it was going to be like independent seasons like just like in and out which i you, don't think they're going to do that they're not going to do that no and also, you know, if you want to call it a failure, the the failure of season two of True Detective True Detective lends itself to the fact that maybe that style of storytelling should be avoided. The exception being American Horror Story, which I've never watched an episode of that. Uh, I've watched the first season the most. I've watched a little bit of the other ones. It's good, but in the case really, of, yeah, Ryan Murphy's the man. He's really good at storytelling. Okay. Uh, but. The, in the case of that show, each season is a different story. Yeah, uh, and it plays well. But, um, but I mean, at this point, you're connected with these characters. Oh, and it's fine if there's going to be more seasons. Yeah,
1: there's no doubt that they're going to continue. And, I mean, what's going to be kind of cool about this too is there are two things, eh, I guess, two things that I, I like. I like that they're working with kids sure. because you can literally see them grow up. Totally. You know, you're gonna the next season. They're gonna look older.
0: It's the sci-fi wonder years.
1: Right. That's exactly what it's kind of going to be as this continues. You know, they're going to grow up. And two, it's going to allow them, now that we know these characters, to really dive in further into their story for the second season. Because all these characters have now been established, they're going to need a way to go. And they're going to need to get more of a, a backstory from... You know, specific ones that are going to play an integral part going forward. That's you know, what
0: Optimism Jason hopes for.
1: Because if you think about it, you don't know a lot about Will. No. You know, he just kind of pops in there at the end because he was, you know, in yeah. the Upside Down for the entire series or the t- entire season. So you're going to find more out about him, I'm sure. And I think he's going to play a huge part in the next season.
0: Huge part. I, I really like the idea of the two worlds blending that would be yeah. a very interesting conflict to introduce, and and you're right because in the course, especially towards the end of the show, you you start to gather that the monster, there's been plenty of victims. You know they've right and I, they kind of harp like towards the end. Doctor Brenner he's talking about, uh, like a lot of other disappearances going on. Yeah, and um, and and in the case of Barb, although I'm sorry baby got thrown under the bus riding wise it's <laughs> obviously like she was trying to be used as an incubation component and also two other things to lend credence to your theory so when they find will he's like straight up like ben james cameron like he's got the thing down his throat he's obviously yeah. like trying to be like face huggered. and also before that uh sheriff finds he finds the egg yeah, it's like the the obvious alien scene is obvious, but he finds an egg, and it's like, well, I I don't think that the the egg is the source of the current creature no. our monster of the week. I think it's definitely something else. The next one,
1: and, and yeah, I don't that I'd forgotten about that, but that's gonna be interesting to see how that
0: so. plays going forward. I think that by the end of the show, it definitely had enough unanswered questions to make a second season sure oh absolutely yeah
1: i mean there's a ton of it. I'll take it i mean we have still haven't figured out like where the upside down came from
0: yeah is the why well, i, I thought for me i thought the i felt the i, I guess i looked at the monster more of a, a metaphor involving 11 in terms of just like abuse and and loneliness and like it's like the manifestation of of all the bad things that could ever happen to you in childhood, which I right. think might have been intentional.
1: But, Possibly. But like, yeah. she had shared a similar story
0: yeah, to definitely. the
1: monster, which, I mean, makes sense why they both got kind of killed off, quote-unquote killed off at the same time towards the end. She was the only one able to do it. But I, I don't know. I still feel like she has some other connection to, like, the monster there.
0: I would only imagine.
1: Or she was the one that kind of opened that, open the upside down or open the the gate quote yeah. unquote to the upside down yeah cuz it had to have been created from something it, and when she went into like the sensory deprivation tank that's <laughs> the first time you really come in contact with
0: it i thought it was interesting they introduced they they used uh sensory deprivation tanks as a plot device yeah. um i've always wanted to experience one of those yeah, i think it'd be kind of cool it's it's kind of like, it's like hallucinogenics without taking them. It kind of is. There's actually a place in Charlotte that does, and they're really popular. Really, I think so. Yeah, hmm. but but you're also right. You know, like you get little bits and pieces about the the monster in terms. Doctor Brenner, the white haired guy. Our 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 stories sort of a mad scientist. Although he gets he dies at the end, so R E P him. Yeah, but it seems to imply. They've made contact with it. Doesn't quite spell how they make contact with it, though. No, either, which would lend credence to your theory of other psychic children maybe being involved.
1: Uh, there definitely has to be. There's a reason that she's number eleven. I thought it's because this was her age. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. It, it's tattooed on her.
0: Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I it's think it's tattooed on her.
1: So it's definitely like there were definitely ten kids before her, or maybe they sent those kids, or they're trying to create the kids to have those powers so that they can fight this thing off or something like maybe they opened that before and they started experimenting with with kids and trying to make them powerful they can you know fight off this monster because i mean you see in like flashbacks and stuff they're sending people into the upside down to try to figure out what's going on in there and none of them come back
0: i read it more from like The Hideo Kojima idea of the government finding a new weapon they can use. Because this is kind of established whenever she goes into the void the first time. Like, they're using her as a way to uh, spy on the, the Russian guy. Oh, yeah. So, I'm assuming... What I would assume is going on is they step one they use 11 as a means for reconnaissance and you kind of establish that she's very good at that because there's some other points in the story in the flashbacks where she's obviously been doing this as well for like not just the russian dude so somehow eventually they come to the point where they they realize there's some sort of entity out there and they have the perfect medium for making contact to it but yeah you know
1: a government find a way to
0: do it gotta find a way to do it a government's always gonna try to find a way to make a weapon out of anything yeah so there's that too that's fair and then uh, the other thing is I I did like the the closing element of uh the sheriff he gets picked up by the men in black. Yeah, I wonder what happened there. It seems to imply that the the government squad cuz they're all like dead, dead dead. Mm-hmm. It seems to imply that what how I read it as is that they wanted him to be the intermediary to Eleven, who's obviously still out there somewhere because he's leaving the food in the box. Right. But she's obviously off the grid, not making any contact with anybody. And so they're trying to use him as a means to... Connect with her. Connect with her, which also opens up a possible story element involving him trying to both help Eleven and also fill the void left by his dead daughter. Daughter. Which is something I assume to develop further. That's a twofer. But I, when they picked him up,
1: I had a feeling that somehow they were going to use him for for something and I wasn't I wasn't sure what and then I kind of thought about it well maybe they picked him up because he knew too much or he knew all this information you this know poor he, guy. he'd been to the upside down and got back so maybe they just picked him up to learn more about it and start over again you possible. know, maybe it was the laboratory people. They they lost all their top dogs, all the people that have been working in there. So he was the only one that kind of knew what was going on, and you know they need to get started again. They need somewhere to to start like ground zero again.
0: That would be cool. So I don't know. That's a good expedition
1: it, it could be. It could go any any way because they they never really say who it is. They don't show who it is either. So I mean, it it could be anyone at this point. Like it's your, just, it's so weird that it happens, like, right after everything goes down.
0: I can't wait for Mulder and Scully to show up this entire show. Yeah, seriously.
1: <laughs> seriously.
0: There's some really cool, um, but actually some of my favorite shots in this show are the, in, in the pilot where Will's being chased by the monster. Yeah. And, uh, there's some real, very reminiscence of the X-Files shots, like the part where he's in the shed and he's trying to load the gun. Yeah. And the part where like he sees a silhouette, like the jump scare part, like... So that was cool. It was cool to see them. Yeah. Big X-Files nerd.
1: All right. So I guess all that's left, I feel like we need to have a rating system. Just like Rotten Tomatoes. But I think we should go from 1 to 10. Oh, yeah.
0: Could do 1 to 5. Why do you want to do 1 to 5? You want to do Pitchfork? Okay, we'll do Pitchfork. Yeah, we'll do 1 to 10.
1: Okay. All right. So if you, were to, rate, if you were to rate the Stranger Things series, what would you rate it as? 7.0. 7.0? 7. Yeah. All right. I would go 8.5. Justified. I like 8.5 because it's not it's not one of the best series I've ever seen. Sorry. I mean, there are some series that I would definitely rate above and well, I'm sure we'll get to those for sure. But I I mean, I feel like it was it was well done. The fact that it brought me into the sci-fi and horror realm to even watch because typically I would completely avoid it. Completely because I I mean, I'm a dude that doesn't even like Star Wars which I catch so much shit from from all of my friends but I just I don't like horror and I don't like sci-fi really that much.
0: Scott in this safe space, I will not judge you on your distaste for Star Wars because Thank if you. I'm honest, I've always enjoyed the extended universe and video games more than the films.
1: Yeah, and that's fine. And I will not judge you on your distaste for what you dub poor character development <laughs> in
0: Stranger Things. So Wait, and that's the other interesting thing about this new era of podcasting is that I am the horror guy sitting at the back throwing things to the screen and screaming. I, I, it is me. Oh, you totally are. Not going to lie. Um, but if I, if I shelf my issues with the story of Stranger Things, what I'm left with is a show that is beautifully shot. Beautifully shot show. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just from like the set design, which is really, really good. Uh, just the cinematography, stellar. Um, the soundtrack is great. The soundtrack is a whole other podcast, but yeah, you know, the soundtrack is all. Oh, man, the soundtrack is. Yeah, it's great. I have no problem with that. It's good, man. Um, it's a show that leaves me mixed, confused, but you know, I think a solid seven is all I got. Um,
1: I, I, I honestly, I am surprised that you gave it a
0: solid seven. What do you think I was gonna give?
1: I thought you were gonna go more six.
0: No, no, it's it's. It, the the elements, the other elements of the story, or the the other elements of the show, are enough to elevate, elevate it. Elevate it. If 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 those things weren't like, if if the vibe wasn't there, then I would like just I'd, I'd be like bombing on it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Hey, cool. I'm gonna mention one more thing. Okay. This is this is gonna be possibly part of this podcast, right? It's like shout out a horror movie that i've seen that i really enjoyed okay this movie i i watched a horror movie it's on netflix it's new on netflix and it's called baskin b a s k i n and it's a turkish horror film and the plot is essentially about these five police officers who end up in hell uh they they're already kind of it's it follows a very similar setup to uh dante's inferno Uh, Dante Aguilera uh, where in the beginning of the movie they they're kind of in this purgatory and as and they get a they get a call like a distress call that they have to go to uh, help out these officers and they get to this old police station and things are not right (laughs) and what it ends up being is honestly one of the most disturbing yet also awesomely beautiful horror films I've ever seen Uh, it was I wanted to, like, throw holy water on my PlayStation. It freaked me out that bad. Uh, But it had some... It was brutal, but it had some awesome imagery. And and a lot of it reminded me of uh, the works of surrealist filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky, who's famous for movies such as El Topo and uh, The Holy Mountain. But there's a lot of really cool things in that movie that remind me of... So it's essentially like a surrealist horror film that deals with hell and... Is great. And so if you're out there in TV land and you like horror movies and you got Netflix, which I'm sure you do, go watch Baskin. It's, it was great. It was great. It had all the vibe. And it's a Turk... Never seen a Turkish-made horror film before, I can say. Interesting. Were there subtitles? Yes, the whole thing was subtitles. Oh, okay. Which might bother some people, but just... Whatever. Get it together. Yeah.
1: I, subtitles never really bother me too much. I like reading. Check. So, <laughs> yeah. If I had to do a shout-out on... I, um... I went to see sausage party last night, <laughs> and we may we may end up doing a podcast on that one. oh go
0: watch it sure
1: uh, once totally. once Jason sees it, but it is it's disturbing in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever eat hot dogs again and the the underlying uh story is is based a lot around America and how america just like is so fixated on like religion and things like that. Sure, Everyone kind of has their own views. So the underlying story is good. Uh, the movie itself, I don't I don't even know. I'm still processing it. <laughs> still processing that's, it. That's my favorite so, thing
0: for anyone to say about a film, where they're just like, I don't know, man. What I did just, I watch?
1: The, the last scene of this movie is nothing you would ever think you would ever see in your entire life. And that's all I'm going to say about it uh don't take your kids to see this one <laughs> it does it is animated but it is not animated for children
0: if i had to shout out an animated film of recent time i would shout out zootopia oh yeah zootopia is a, is a good one great disney film and it's essentially disney's take on uh chinatown <laughs> right. yeah with uh jack nicholson but uh, yeah
1: yeah so that that's about going to do it for the very first inaugural All Things Media podcast. So this is episode 18, if you are reading along with us. Our podcast is legal. We are legal. We can go buy a pack of cigarettes, a lottery ticket, and go get a lap dance. Don't smoke. Vape. Lap dances are fine. All right. So we will talk to you guys next week. Hope you loved it. Thank you. Goodbye.